Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock from MCG Quantity Surveyors. And today we're talking about the rise of the buyer's agent. Now, if you're on Facebook, perhaps you've seen all of the Facebook ads that buyer's agents are putting up there, and there seems to be millions of them coming out at the moment. So I'm chatting to previous guest, Veronica Morgan, who has set up some buyer's agent mentoring services. But I wanted to have a chat to her about why there are so many buyer's agents, how important it is to pick the right one, what recourse there is for anyone that has worked with a buyer's agent that they think is not up to scratch, but more importantly, how to tell if the buyer's agent is going to be right for you. It's a huge financial decision to purchase an investment property and the difference in results between a good and a bad one can be catastrophic for your personal portfolio and financial well-being. So it's a really important topic. Here's Veronica. Veronica Morgan, welcome back to Geared for Growth. Thanks, Mike. It's great to see you. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. Now, you might not necessarily thank you because I want to take aim at you and your kind. This could go anywhere, couldn't it? Um, uh-huh. I'm talking specifically about buyer's agents. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but if if you're in the property game, you're interested in property and you're on Facebook, your eyeballs have been absolutely punished by the Facebook marketing from buyer's agents. And it used to just be a couple. Now, there's a tremendous amount of buyer's agents out there. What's happening to the real estate space? I oh, know it's a scary thing, isn't it? Look, you're not going to offend me by having a go at the caliber of a lot of these new buyers agents. Uh, it's one of my big, big bugbears, right? And one of the reasons that you've got so many in your Facebook feed is because, A, there's a very low barrier to entry in this industry, which is alarming. Uh, not alarming for all those you know, property pundits are people who love property and want to make a career out of it. They love the fact that it's a very low barrier to entry to become a buyer's agent. But for consumers should be alarmed about it because you are entrusting these people with very little experience, maybe a little tiny bit of knowledge and not enough. And I guess we'll get into that, um, you know, why they don't have enough knowledge and they also don't have the skills, but often they can talk a good game. And, you know, entrusting those sort of people to help you buy a property, which you might only be buying one in your life or maybe a handful in your life, is actually alarming. But also the boom that we had in 2021, that sort of propagated this whole thing because, of course, desperate buyers looking for an advantage in a really tough uh, market for buyers started turning to buyer's agents in droves and every buyer's agent with any experience was basically had a full book and so it was very easy for new buyer's agents to set up business and think that this is easy. Now, it's not so easy, fast forward to a market slowdown and so therefore they're advertising a lot of them in Facebook for new clients. Mm. Now, um, I've been a, a huge and remain a huge advocate of, of buyer's agents. I, I think a buyer's agent should represent the purchaser on on pretty much every uh, transaction. But uh, you sort of highlighted the fact that not everybody uh, not not everybody has the experience that you would deem reasonable. And where do what sort of qualifications do you need? And you know, wh- which breakfast cereal can I buy to get one of these buyer's agents' licenses? Well, it's actually scary, and I have done a review of the process um, required to become a buyer's agent in every state and territory in this country, and it, it does vary. There are, the qualifications are roughly the same, but how you need to acquire those qualifications and whether you need any work experience uh, does differ from state to state and territory to territory. Um, so 
you need a cert for, right? So you need to do a certificate for in, oh, now I've forgotten exactly the terminology, property property service services. That's it. Yep. Pro- certificate for and property services. Now, in Queensland, you can do one extra module and then you can run your own business. Right. In New South Wales and every other state actually in territory, you do need to do a diploma in property agency or agency management. And so that's an additional qualification. Um, and you need to have some work experience under your belt in New South Wales, ACT and Victoria, but elsewhere, as long as you've got those qualifications, you can run your own business and set up set up a shingle on your front door and decide that you're going to offer buyer's agency services. So, which is alarming because, of course, that means that people with zero property experience, zero real estate experience uh, in what, what did I just say? Um, five out of our eight states and territories can set up shop and start taking money from clients and supposedly helping them without any actual experience. And then when you dig down into the curriculum in terms of the Cert 4 and also the diploma, the Cert 4 has four subjects that apply to buyer's agency, right? To get put that into context, if you're being a sales agent, there's uh, 12 or 16, I can't think of the top of my head how many topics are relevant to that um, job, right? Yep. Now, I would argue that being a buyer's agent, you need to actually know more than you do to be a sales agent because how do you assess whether a property is a good investment or not? What are the criteria? How, how do you, where do you research that? How do you back test that? How do you um, measure that? How do you provide guidance to your clients on that? How do you work out what due diligence is required? What's the gap between what the vendor has to disclose? And that varies from state to territory as well. Um, how do you assess the gaps in the what's provided? What else you need to know? Like, is there a is is there a zoning risk in that area? There's just so many things that can become that can become uncovered in due diligence, and yet the due diligence isn't even a topic. Mm. Not one strata buying into strata. You can only imagine the the myriad of things that can go wrong if you don't do due diligence buying into a strata building. It isn't even touched on. So that's why a buyer's agent can come out fully minted. And in the diploma, there's actually not one subject that is specific to buyer's agency. So so you come out fully minted in five out of eight of the states and territories, can set up business, start operating under your own shingle, and you actually don't know the first thing of property analysis and, and how to help a buyer buy properly and avoid buying limits. Because these courses and these diplomas are really designed for real estate agents, not for buyers' agents. They've just kind of been shoved in at the margins. And I know there are some great people like uh, Michael Osset in New South Wales, previous guest on the show, uh, who's trying to advocate for buyers' agents. And, you know, there's a lot of buyers' agents like him and yourself that are actually crying out for more regulation, more training. You know, you want it to be harder to be a buyers' agent because that protects the consumer. Who, whose job is it to make sure that, say, if, if if, if I'm wanting to buy an investment property that a buyer's agent that is putting their hand up to, to take my money has got the experience and the expertise to do all of that stuff because, you know, the things like the zoning, I mean, that's that falls into town planning. You know, things like strata, that can, can fall into strata management. Is it a good investment or not? I mean, that's, you know, property economics. There's, there's a lot of things that are, that are a lot broader than a real estate uh, diploma. That's exactly right, and that's the problem. It's no one's job. 
So the Office of Fair Trading in New South Wales, every state has its equivalent, you know, Office of Fair Trading or governing body uh, that looks after legislation and the licensing requirements for that state or territory. And in New South Wales, it's the Office of Fair Trading. And I went to, I actually was uh, um, interviewed, I guess, by the panel that was making recommendations back in, I think, oh, God, it was 2015 or 16 when they were they were streamlining the licensing requirements and when I say streamlining, they they simplified them. They didn't actually make them more stringent. Like they did put some, they did put work experience in place and they did put a few, a few little barriers to entry. But, you know, there's ways around that too. You could actually work as an assistant in a sales office for two years, satisfy your two-year work experience, still have no experience as a buyer's agent and then go and set up shop in New South Wales even with all that work experience, right, with the, the work experience barrier. So there all these these uh, the licensing requirements and the and the work experience uh, requirements they still don't ensure that a buyer's agent has access to any of those skills. There's no recognition that is required, and so therefore it's up to the individual buyer's agent to decide whether or not they want to rise to the challenge. They rise their own uh, to to basically set their own standards and rise to those standards, which is. You know, a lot of people uh, advocate for self-regulation and that's great, but what I would argue is there's a lot of people coming out of these qualifications freshly minted. They don't even realise that you need to know these things. So they're learning on the job with their clients' money and they may never work it out or they may, but at the point at the point of your question there is who's responsible, actually fundamentally that puts the consumer in the seat of being responsible and if the consumer doesn't realize that most buyers agents actually don't have the skills to do the job then you know then they're none the wiser either so that's one of the reasons why I, I really want to get very vocal on this to bring everybody's attention to this problem and so consumers will be more picky in choosing a buyer's agent and any buyer's agent that thinks that they've got the skills might actually go back and assess do I really know how to do this job and do it well yeah, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Because I can remember being a teenager thinking, I'm, I'm a pretty clever bloke. But then I learned a little bit more and got some more life experience. And then I just learned all the things that I don't know. Um, I think you, you get to a point where you kind of, you, you might think you know something, but then you go that little next step and then the world just opens up and you go, oh, wow, I don't know anything. So it's hard It's hard for, I, I suppose, any professional to know, well, how much are they across things? Um, and what I think about is I always go back to the Freakonomics book, which showed the power of incentives, right? <laughs> and the incentives are all around, you know, the financial reward. It seems like there's a bit of a gold rush out there. I mean, why would there be so many buyer's agents out there if there isn't money to be made? How much are buyer's agents able to, to make when they're entering the industry? Well, this is a very good question because there's a few myths out there about exactly how much you can make and about how much you need to work in order to make that money. And I've heard various quotes such as you could work an hour a day, work from home anywhere in the world and make six figures buying property online for clients. Now, I don't actually know anybody who can do that. Right. And if they can, they must be really good at NLP or something at convincing people that they're doing the right thing for them because they're not actually, um, that is not how you do it. Like, there's actually, it is actually harder to make money being a buyer's agent than a lot of people uh, will acknowledge unless you are a transactional buyer's agent who really is all about the deal and not about making sure that your clients do get. Um, the opportunity to buy a really good quality property and, you know, at the right price. So 
that those buyers agents are probably earning, you know, multiple six figures because they, as I said, they are transactional, they are going for volume over quantity. And so this is, I mean, I know in my business, yes, I've had that opportunity, I guess, over the years to work out, well, what do I want to do? How do I want to scale my business? And really with buyers agency, to scale a business fundamentally means you're going to sacrifice quality in one way or another. I've made the personal choice never to do that. And so I don't have the sort of business where, you know, individuals in my business, uh, well, they're probably, the, the good buyers agents can earn sort of up to 200000 but I have to say that, that you know, people earning $700,000, million, um, you know, single-handedly being a buyers agent is a bit of a myth. Yeah, okay. And I'm wondering uh, about the structure of buyers agents because, you know, if there's money to be made out there, how long is it before a big industry player moves in? Because we've talked about certain real estate franchises going all in on on the buyers agent space, which, you know, creates some really strong potential conflict. Again, Incentives when you've got a sales agent and a buyer's agent, you know, wearing the same logo sort of thing. Putting that to the side, your average buyer's agent firm is actually quite small. There's only a few of them that are, have got, you know, 20 or 30 staff. What, why is that? Why, why do you think functionally there's a sweet spot that buyer's agents tend to sit at? The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. It is, it's an interesting thing. I think that part of the problem here or part of the, the reason is because the people who want to become buyers agents tend to be this sort of entrepreneurial bunch of people and they want to have their own business. You know, they see this. And that's also part of low barrier to entry as well. Yeah. Low barrier to entry into the industry basically means that, you know, you don't need a lot of cash to set up. You don't need a lot of, um, you know, time, you don't need a lot of experience. You don't need a lot of qualifications. So therefore it is attractive to people who want to see themselves as being a bit entrepreneurial and want to set up their own business. So that is one of the issues. And I know in, in my business, I've been going now since I started Good Deeds beginning of 2009. So just after the GFC, which is an interesting time to set up a business. Um, and so in that time, I've trained and developed quite a number of buyers agents that have left to set up their own businesses with, with varying degrees of success, mm-hmm. you know. And, and really that is about them going, oh, I could do this. Why, what, you know, why do I share my spoils with, you know, with a boss? You know, I could get out there and do this myself. So I think that that drive, that entrepreneurial drive, certainly is part of the, part of the issue here. And also, that, as I mentioned before, the the way in which you scale a buyer's agency is quite difficult because your quality will suffer. Your quality will suffer in terms of if you have a lot of buyer's agents in one area, there's only so much really good property that ever exists that's available to buy. I like to cherry pick, you know, so we we deliberately stayed small and boutique for that reason. But for those who want to dominate, you know, they're going to have to basically buy crap. Because it's just they just won't be able to. It won't be economical to run a business with twenty buyers agents all operating in one small geographical area, um, and 
and try to dominate and be buying good property. So with a sales agency, you can build a big sales agency in an area because at the end of the day, if somebody's bought a crap property and brings it to you to sell, it's not on you that that they bought crap originally. Yeah. You just got to help them divest, divest themselves of it and get the best possible price, mm. right? So from a sales agent's point of view, you know, you can scale a lot easier than a buyer's agency. And then the other alternative is to scale in different locations or to be borderless. And some people have done that with varying degrees of, of success. But the problem there, again, is how do you make sure that your buyer's agents have local expertise? Because really and truly, a, buy, a, um, a buyer's agent that is buying purely based on data uh, as to where the next hotspot's going to be, A, it's very short-term metrics that you're using and property needs to be a long game. But B, they often go into these areas and buy shit property that's easy to buy and property that's easy to buy tends to be difficult to sell um, and which is not good for an investment. Um, so they go into these areas and I constantly hear stories of local buyers agents talking about the fly-in fly-out buyers agents come from other areas that don't know the area buy crap for their clients the clients are then lumbered with that stuff um those buyers agents then they you know they, they finish their their time in that area and then they're off to another area and the local real estate agents love it right. bingo i can flog all the stuff that the locals won't touch you know, so so there's a real problem, and so there's there's your quality quality control problem with the with the uh, fly and fly out model. So if you're setting up and you're scaling and creating a bigger buyers agency where you're going borderless, you really do not need to have people on the ground in different locations, um, and you know, so that that becomes costly, but also uh, it's inefficient in many ways because you know different markets are going to be booming at different times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there there are real problems with setting up buyers agency and scaling. There's a lot of different services that a buyer's agent might advertise and sometimes piecemeal. Like one might be, you know, you found the property, but, you know, you want someone that can bid at auction or you want someone to bid at auction, but you want them just to make sure that the, the due diligence is is done and it's the right sort of property. Then there's, you know, there's times where it might just be an owner rock and it's like, well, this is what we want. And you might think it's a bad idea and you can tell them or you can not tell them, but if they want it, it's your job to just negotiate and get it as as economically as you can. But then sometimes there's, there's buyer's agents where you say, I want to buy an investment property that goes up in value and buyer's agents will advertise that they are the experts in that space. Now, if 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 I went to a buyer's agent that said, you know, our job is to buy property that is going to increase in value, you redraw the equity, you build, you buy again and we're in bed together for the next 20 years. If I buy something that doesn't achieve that, so I buy a property, there might be a property market upswing, but you know my property's not growing in value. Uh, what is there for the consumer to do? Like, where's their recourse? Um, that that's sort of a safety net that's protecting them. Good luck. Um, so you know, like if it's not growing, I guess it depends on the claims that are made, really. And if if quantifiable claims have been made and they've promised or they've given you a model that says, oh, you know, you can expect seven percent per annum year on year growth, and you don't achieve it, then you might have some level of recourse in terms of suing them. Um, so a lot of it comes down to their insurance, uh, but it also comes to how do you quantify that? And this is the problem, right? And I've had a good chat with a, a insurance broker who specialises in the real estate game because I wanted to understand what are the risks to buyers agents of stuffing this up. Now, I would like to think the risks are huge, 
right? They should be huge because the people wearing this is not the buyer's agent themselves. It's their consumer, and they often won't know for a good five to ten years down the track, in which case some of these, you know, these fair-weather buyer's agents may well have decided to go off and sell the next version of crypto and be gone by the time, you know, there's some recourse or some uh, some some knowledge or, or recognition that whoever, their cl- you know, the client has realised that they've bought a dud asset. And I have spoken to a lot of people over the years that have been stuck with these dud assets that supposed buyers agents to help them with, and the buyers agents are no longer anywhere to be found. Mm. So, so this is a real problem. Um, the insurance broker that I was talking to was explaining to me that you know this is it's a very difficult thing to prosecute, and most buyers agents, if they if there is a claim against them, will settle out of court as well. So all this stuff sort of gets hidden. No one really knows. Um, premiums don't tend to get affected by it. And so there's very little recourse. So it's alarming, actually. It's not a good story, that one. Yeah, because I guess I'm, I'm trying to come from the side of the consumer. As I say, I'm a huge advocate for buyer's agents. Mm. But, you know, with with the, the rapid increase in buyer's agents, it does beg the question, well, how do you find a good one and how do you protect yourself if in good faith you think you've found one but they haven't delivered? I mean, mm. could a consumer go to a buyer's agent and say, look, I'll pay you five grand up front and then after five years I'll give you a percentage of, you know, the <laughs> equity increase from, a you know, an independent valuer? Like what app- appetite has the industry got to sort of try and find those safeguards that help the consumer or, or at least sort of put an exclamation part, point on their claims? Good. That would be so funny. Look, the problem, of course, is that there's no clear um, established benchmark of how you measure investment performance. Right. So I will get people coming to me and saying, oh, I've done really well in property. And I go, that's great. How have you measured that? What do you mean? I made money. But how have you measured it? Have you measured it against what, you know, other options that you had at the time? You know, like, have you got an, you know, is there an industry benchmark you, you're measuring that against? And, and nobody, nobody has ever said to me, oh, well, this is what I'm measuring it against. So it seems to be, I think that there's a whole lot of bias out there in consumer land. And there is a whole lot of bias out there in consumer land around I make good decisions and it's so expensive, such a big decision that we actually will, you know, retrospectively retrofit whatever reasoning we had to make it a better decision, a sounder decision in our own mind. So we might have a niggle at the back of our mind, but in terms of calming our, our brain down, we will, you know, we'll justify and excuse the the methodologies that we chose or whether we chose the right buyer's agent or not. So I always sort of say to people, you know, think about that niggle because that niggle is probably telling you the truth that you don't really want to rec- recognise. So in terms of the industry, I you know, I wouldn't even do it. I, I mean... I'd be I'd be very happy to um, to I guess tie some ongoing subscription income to the capital growth. That would be very interesting and and it, attach it to how that property goes against the median for that sort of SA three or perhaps suburb or something like that. That'd be a very interesting prospect. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm not sure a lot of it's a bit like choosing to pay stamp duty or pay land tax, isn't it, for first home buyers? You know, yes. <laughs> so that's a very interesting concept. I think from a consumer's point of view, though, and you know, I, I'm coming at this very much as a consumer advocate as well. I'm a buyer's agent, of course, and some people might say, "Oh, Veronica, you're just elitist and you just want to keep it, you know, keep it elite and and small so that you know you can thrive in this industry." 
you know, that is, I guess, in a way, I think the Office of Fair Trading views um, anyone like me as being self-interested in terms of my own business. But I can honestly tell you that is not, not where I'm coming from. Because where I'm coming from is that I get upset when I hear stories of consumers that have lost, and it could be opportunity cost or it could be a real loss. Um, if you look at CoreLogic's quarterly pain and gain report, you will know that, you know, a good chunk of people that sell property every quarter in this country, let's say 10% give or take a bit, will lose money. That's actually nominally, that's not including, you know, cost of selling and buying and um, opportunity costs. So it's a very real risk that people carry when they buy property that they can lose money. Mm. And so I, I passionately believe that consumers need to understand that so that they have the option of making better decisions. So rather than this sort of idea that property is a really great thing to invest in, I've just got to get in a property, I've just got to get in the ladder, just got to get in there, actually be apply a bit more critical thinking. So that's part of the reason I'm so agitated about this. But also from the buyer's agent point of view, new people coming into the industry, they also need the opportunity to recognise that it's not as easy as they've been told, mm. that they need to understand the challenges of the industry, being excellent in this industry, what that takes, the, the benefits in learning, maybe an apprenticeship, actually learning from people who've been around a, a few a decade or so, but also potentially the value in learning from being a sales agent first, mm. you know, and, and, and getting a depth of um, exposure to where people can go wrong because sales agents know what properties are duds to sell. Yeah. You know, that's one thing a sales agent does learn. What's easy to sell, what's hard to sell. And if buyers agents coming into the industry had a bit more of a healthy regard for the challenges and the skills that they need in order to succeed and the consumers were more aware of the risks, then you've got those two things would actually help, um, I guess, raise the barrier via the industry itself Yeah. because our regulators aren't going to do it. Yeah, that's a big problem. Um, I mean, I, in a way, I'm disappointed because I was about to hand in my resignation and earn, you know, $200,000 <laughs> for a couple of hours a week work. Um, but, you know, fr from the perspective of the consumer, because I, I, I know you're doing some mentoring and you have educational resources for buyers agents who are passionate about it and want to get into the, the career and leverage the expertise of someone like yourself. But for the poor consumer, that really probably only has a limited amount of time that they can assign to finding a, a buyer's agents and doing due diligence and asking the questions. What what what's the quickest way that you think you can discern someone who is, has the the level of expertise that you think the industry standard should be, and someone that doesn't? First thing I say, look for a local specialist. So don't look for somebody who does everything for everybody or who will just take your brief and get you whatever you say you want. Because the thing is that a, a really good buyer's agent is more than just an order taker. They will advise you. They will actually question you. They'll challenge you. And if that person isn't questioning, challenging you or testing what your, your long-term goals are or your assumptions in terms of what you think you need, then you've got to be thinking, well, does this person even have any critical thinking skills? Because you need to be very good critical thinker to be good at this job. And so that's the first thing. Local specialists, the actual how their initial um, conversations with you and the, the calibre of questions that they ask Secondly, how experienced are they? Really, two years is not enough, right? And, you know, 
look, hey, I've been doing it. I've been in the industry now for 20, it's come 23 years now. Um, sure, you may not need to have somebody with 23 years experience, but you'd certainly want them to have been through a couple of booms and busts. Yep. Not only understand how to deal with think, the market in a hot market or a cold market for that matter, you want them to understand the full cycle. So at least, I would say at least five years in reality and even better, seven to ten. Mm. So you want them to be experienced. So first thing, local knowledge. Second thing, the questions they ask you. Third thing, the, the length of their experience. And fourthly, what you want to be checking with them is what is your evaluation process? What is your due diligence process? What sort of properties would you say no to? What would you recommend I don't buy? Yep. Because what you don't buy is way more important than what you do buy. And um, well, what you do buy obviously is very important, but, you know, what, what is rejected, fish that John West rejects, you yeah, yeah. want to understand, once again, it's their critical thinking. How are they applying their knowledge and experience so that you won't be left carrying the can 10 years down the track realising that you've actually got yourself a dud, a dud property? And those sorts of questioning and going through that sort of lens is really very, very critical for um, people looking to use a buyer's agent. Be very careful of lots of data packaged up beautifully that makes you think that that is, you know, the, the holy grail because the problem is that buying property is art and science. So the science only gets you so far. If they don't have the experience and the local knowledge and that desire to do the proper due diligence, then the art has failed and the art is really where the money is. And, and I'll give you an analogy. It's a bit like the other day I was sitting uh, in a cafe with my daughter. She looks out the window and it's raining and she looks at the weather app on her phone and says, it can't be raining. The app says it's not. Now, <laughs> that is sort of for me the equivalent of using a buyer's agent that focuses on this data mm. but doesn't pay attention to what's happening in the marketplace. Mm, yeah, I, I think that that's some amazing advice and people really want to get it right because the, the difference between a good property investment result and a bad one, you know, could be the difference between whether you can grow your portfolio anymore or whether you can achieve any of your goals or whether you have to sell it for a loss. So it, it's something that I'm passionate about and I'm, I'm glad to hear we've got that in common. Veronica, thanks very much for coming back on the show. It's my absolute pleasure. Can I say how people can find out about the mentoring program if um yeah absolutely yeah so look everything i'm doing is actually you can find out all the different things i've got my fingers into i've written a book i've got podcasts a whole palaver on veronicamorgan.com.au it's as simple as going to that website there's um a button for mentoring and if you want to find out more about it click away beautiful there you go and uh auction ready that's the book right yes <laughs> i don't think i've got a copy of that yet Oh, look, I'll send you one. And you know what? If any of your listeners want to pick up a, a copy of Auction Ready, How to Buy Property at Auction, even though you're scared shitless, and yes, I'm a potty mouth, um, I'm happy to give them a 30% discount and free postage. Um, all they have to do is uh, the code, um, what should we do? Mike. Mike. M-I-K-E. They just put Mike in Mike. the in the booking and the uh, we'll put Hopefully you can put the link in the show. Actually, go to veronicamorgan.com.au. You can click on book and you can do it that way. Put in mic and you get 30% off. How's that? Well, we'll leave you to scurry away and set up that code before. I better give you code. Night. Thanks, Veronica. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs>